Welcome to Turf Dudes, show number 31. Today's episode is the second of a two-part series on zoysia grass management. Don Garrett is the superintendent of the Walker course at Clemson University. During Don's tenure at the Walker course, he has transformed it from a bent grass course in the south to one of a handful of courses utilizing zoysia grass as a putting surface. The Walker course is situated on the shores of Lake Hartwell in Clemson, South Carolina, just on the edge of the Clemson University campus. When considering a switch from bent grass, Ulsterdorf Bermuda grass was not an option because of the limited sunlight on many of Walker Course's putting surfaces and limitations on tree removal on the property. With several years of bent grass and zoysia grass putting surface management under his belt, Don is an outstanding resource for the differences, similarities, and nuances of zoysia putting green management. For that reason, we're excited to welcome Don to the show. My name is Dr. Jeff Atkinson, and I'm joined as always by Dr. Raymond Snyder. We serve as directors of Agronomy for Heralds. We hope that today's episode will provide insight into those who may be considering a switch to zoysia grass and provide context for the ins, the outs, and the hows of zoysia putting surface management. Enjoy the show. Well, Don, I appreciate you joining us. Um, uh, kind of looking forward to having having you on the podcast as well, because I guess full disclosure, I worked for you for about 11 years. Yeah. Uh, spent a good amount of time at the Walker course with you. So while I was there, however, it wasn't a zoysia grass greens course it was all was it crenshaw l93 bent grass it was crenshaw yeah and how long ago did did you make the switch was it four years ago no i think it's been six now i think it was 2015 we made the switch and diamond zoysia grass correct diamond zoysia yep yep we um you know we had gotten like a lot of other people kind of got tired of the bent grass uh you know hassle but you know, everybody's gone to the Ultradorf Bermudas. We just didn't feel like that would work with the shade issues that we've got. And unfortunately, the, the worst shade issues that we have are trees that we can't take down. Mm-hmm. They're, as you know, on number 12 over there, that's Corps of Engineer property with the Army Corps of Engineers with Lake Hartwell that we uh, run along. And then on, on the front nine, like three and four, uh, those trees are on the South Carolina Botanical Garden property. And neither one of those two groups are real wild about you cutting down trees. So we just didn't think Bermuda was an option for us. So as I kind of was pursuing and looking at it, you know, I've heard about Diamond Zoysia and some courses that were successful with it. And in fact, somebody even suggested, well, just put Diamond on the one or two greens that you're going to have a shade problem with. And do Bermuda everywhere else, and there is a golf course nearby that that did that. But I just I didn't like that thought. I wanted to be consistent. And after kind of playing around and thinking about it and studying a little bit, the biggest drawback we could find was the the speed issue with Diamond. It's hard to get much speed out of it in the summer months. When we get to fall, late summer, fall, August, September, that's a huge time for us. All the students come back and they think they've come back to play golf and not go to class. And football weekends, you know, just just tons of play from football weekends. So we kind of had to really baby our bent grass to make sure it was in good shape for that August, September time period. Um, So it was slow in July and August. We were raising the height and everything. So I said, so we can trade diamond for bent. And the issue is it's going to be slow in July and August which our bent already is kind of slow in July and August, but we're not worried about it dying. We're not worried about 
you know, all the ball marks and everything else. So I, I felt like that was a pretty good trade-off right there. And then be, you know, fairly equal the rest of the time. Certainly we can't get the diamond to what we could get the Crenshaw if we wanted to, but, you know, being a public golf course, we're not really playing the speed game that much. Nine to ten and a half is where we'd like to be. Now, what about speeds getting into later in the fall? Now, mm-hmm. how how do speeds that how does that dynamic change as the temperatures cool? Well, obviously, you know, it'll 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 speed up and you've got to be careful that it doesn't get away from you. So, you know, start raising the, the mowing height in the in the fall, but the, the the diamond is just it's so dense that you know it wears pretty well through the winter months, and we're we're careful not to to wear it out and wear it down to nothing to where um, the speed is just gonna get away from us. But you know it can kick up a little bit. But again, we don't we don't want to get too terribly fast because we're we're catering to every every golfer on the spectrum, really, mm-hmm. and and we can't have five and five and a half hour rounds we're we're moving people through so you know green speed can really can really slow down play so is there a mowing height difference between the zoysia and the bent grass well obviously in the summer yes i mean in the summer we were taking the the bent up you know we're we're mowing the zoysia really low i mean we're mowing it about as low as you can take the mower and double cutting and you know, we're, we're struggling to stay at that nine to nine and a half in July and August, just mowing, grooming, verticut and brushing, top dressing. But I like the fact that we're, we're working at trying to improve the surface rather than we're just trying to keep it alive. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a whole different mentality. You know, it's, it's like bent grass, you're going to sleep at night thinking, is it going to be alive tomorrow? The diamond I'm going to sleep thing. Okay, what can we do tomorrow to help get a little more speed out of it or keep the speed up? And uh, it's a whole lot easier to sleep on that last thought than the, is it going to be alive in the yeah, morning? You can, sure. you can have a summer vacation plan that goes a little farther from home if, if you're uh, in the middle of the summer. Yeah, you sure can. You sure can. What have you been able to find as far as cultural practices, as far as verticut and grooming? How how much can you push it before it's maybe too much? Yeah, well, we we found that <coughs> found that out the <clears throat> the first year we had it. You know, we we put it in in the summer of fifteen, so that next year we, we didn't push it too far. But what we found was, you know, we found out where all of our little high spots and things were, and we scalped those as we took the mowers down. You know, we scout those and had to go patch them up. Zoysia's not going to come back from a severe scalping. So we went and have a nursery and patch those up. And then the next summer, I really got after it with with light vertical mowing. Um, more, I'd almost call it more of a very aggressive grooming with the vertical mowers than a true verticutting. And we, we found that we overdid it a little bit. So the next summer we backed off a little bit and then the next summer we got aggressive again and and tried to find that, that balance. And then two years ago, we decided to really go hard with Primo, a lot of high rates and frequent applications of Primo into the fall. And again, we, we kind of overdid it. We, um, we, we found some, some nematode counts that weren't 
terrible, but I think with us kind of overmanaging it a little bit and the nematodes, mm-hmm. we 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 had some thin areas kind of develop, and and they bounced back. They they bounced back fine once we hit the nematodes and kind of you know backed off on the primo. So we're kind of kind of getting it dialed in now to where I feel feel comfortable with it. Um, what were nematodes a concern? when you had bent grass or the does that a concern that presented itself when you switched to warm season grass? Um, I, we, we had some, we had some nematode counts. I mean, nothing bad. And, and, and like I say, even with the, even with, uh, this diamond, the, the, the counts weren't terribly high. I think it was just a combination where we had kind of weakened the plant with how much Primo we were putting on it. You know, mm-hmm. we, we found out how far we could go with, with Primo and, and I th- because it was just a few greens that, that had those, you know, moderate counts on them. So we've kind of, we've kind of been working at it and <clears throat> my mechanic has done a really good job of, we've tried, um, I know Milt Engelke who developed the grass, I took a seminar of his and he said, if it's growing, you need to be grooming it. If it's in any type of growth, groom it, groom it, groom it, groom it. And we've done that, but we've kind of find that the brushes do a little bit better for us. And we'll counter rotate the uh, <clears throat> the greens brushes in place of the groomers on the cutting units. And and we feel like that's that's the way to go. Um, and then, you know, we're, we're top dressing lightly and, and doing that we're cutting and we, we, like I said, the verticutting we do is more of a very heavy grooming, and we can go out on a, a weekday when the when the surface is dry in the afternoon and, and run those machines, and it it really doesn't affect ball roll. I've actually had golfers tell me, you know, how good they're putting that afternoon right behind that that uh, procedure. In, in terms of clipping yield, how much how many how much clipping yield did you get? When you mow a green, is it a handful of clippings? What you know? Can you describe that relative to uh, the bent grass or Bermuda grass experience that you may have had? Again, you know, it's kind of dependent on the time of the year and the growth. But you'll you'll get a fair amount of clippings. Um, probably not as much as you get with real actively growing bent grass, because um, it is a it is a slower grower. Um, you know, we. Uh, we, we haven't started any Primo yet this year because it's been so cool. The nights have been so cool, but, uh, but we'll probably start that next week now that the temperatures are here and it, it, you know, it, it, it does fine with, with some Primo on it. Um, I really think though, there's a, there's a growth regulator out there that would work really well on it. And I, I and Primo we've played around with, we played around with a little bit of a new, haven't quite determined maybe what's best. I know how much is too much Primo. I think we figured that out. Um, eight ounces every seven days for about a month and a half is too much. <laughs> we learned that, but, um, but the clippings, you know, it's, it's, it's not, not a ton of clippings. It's not a huge clipping producer, but <clears throat> that's another thing about the grass that we've, I've kind of learned from some of the other guys that have diamond, we get together about every other winter, some of the guys in North Carolina and South Carolina that have diamond and just kind of brainstorm a little bit. And last year when we did it, most of the guys weren't putting any granular on it. 
And I've always been a believer, you know, a, a warm season grass, you put some granular on the spring to wake it up. And we've, we kind of found when you, when you do put granular on it, it, it seems to give it a flush of growth. And, you know, we have to, when we airify in the middle of summer, you gotta, you gotta get it growing or otherwise it's just not going to recover mm-hmm. and it's slow enough as it is, but we've just spoon fed now for, for a year started that last spring and and I think that helps a lot. So that helps with keeping the clippings down because you're keeping your growth down. But some of the iron products and and uh happen to be Harold's products that we use um you know give it good color. We don't do a lot of pigments a little bit now and then but I kind of like I kind of like to know what the actual color of the grass is. Mm-hmm then I can know better whether it's lean or needs a little boost or, or whatever. So we don't do too much with, with any colorants, pigments or anything in during the growing season, that is. But we, we try and keep that growth rate kind of on the low end. Yep. Um, but it's very, very traffic tolerant, very yep. traffic tolerant, Yeah, as you would imagine with a, a zoysia. How about as far as disease disease goes and what what challenges or what what not necessarily challenges i guess but what are you running into there i know with with bent grass you have a whole slew of diseases across the year is it similar to what your experience with zoysia grass or has it been a little bit less no it's a it's a lot less jeff it's it's a lot less and i probably spray more than than anybody that's got zoysia or or more than i need to but I've kind of taken the approach. I'm not going to let disease cause an issue because the zoysia is not going to recover very rapidly if we do have, you know, if disease does, you know, cause us any issues. And we were probably making on average, I think I counted it up the last couple of years on bent. We were probably making about 22 to 24 fungicide apps a year. Wow. I don't think is you know, out of the, out of the norm for, for bent grass in the Southeast. And we're down to about 10 a year on, on zoysia. And I could probably be less, but we are, you know, we're treating for spring dead spot. Uh, Bruce Martin said that he's, he's hadn't seen a lot, but he has some seen some spring dead spot on zoysia. So why let that be an issue? We've got some great spring dead spot materials now that, uh, the major manufacturers have got, you know, Valista, mm-hmm. Maxima. There's several good ones, Kubota. Um, so why, you know, my, my approach, why let that be a worry? So we're treating for that. We, I'm continuing to do Bears farrying protocol that mm-hmm. I've done for years, had done for years on um, on the bent. And and so we're, we're doing that. I haven't seen any, knock on wood, haven't seen any fairy ring using that uh program and then just you know because we're staying lean i have seen a little bit of dollar spot so we'll throw you know a dacanil or a chipco or something like that out there in the in the summer when we're trying to be be kind of lean and then of course your 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 brown patch materials for the fall and in the middle of the winter that kind of thing just just making sure you're following a good brown patch so we're you know we're at about 10 10 to 12 so I look at it, that's maybe more than I need to do, but I'm still half of or less of what I was doing with Bent. I think it sounds like you can almost uh, go about it in such a preventative way with the different programs that you described. You're not 
like with Ben Grass, you're not going to bed and saying, hey, is Pythium going to rear its head tomorrow morning? Right. Right. Yeah, we're we're pretty much just doing the preventative. And then if we see, you know, a little dollar spot or something, um, you know, we can we can go out and, and zap that. Do you see response as well with the dollar spot in, in relation to fertility at all? Is that when you're getting on uh, on the lean side of, of the spectrum? Yeah. Yeah. What? Once we put our, the times I've seen it have been late summer, um, early fall, where the the nitrogen that we put out to coincide with uh, airification recovery in late June, early July has done its thing. Because I just, I just use all quick release. I want it to, want it to come in, give me a flush of growth, heal me up, and then get out of there so I can get, try and get back under control of it. So after that's gone off late August, September is usually when I've seen the, the dollar spot. So we're just, you know, leaning back down then, I guess, is the best way to put it. You, you made mention of, of the traffic tolerance, but you also made mention earlier of the ball mark resistance. And we had, you know, record rounds across the board last year. Would you say that healthy bent grass versus just in general zoysia grass, does the zoysia grass hold up better to ball marks? Yes, I think so. And I think that's one of the things that our uh, our members and our regular customers have, have really noticed. They, they really like the fact that it, you know, it gets ball marks, but it's not those craters that you can get on, on bent. And, you know, you get to July and August with bent and it's just so many ball marks that aren't healing. We'll see a little bit of that, you know, late winter, early spring after a lot of winter play. You can see marks. But it's almost a, a, a ball mark on zoysia looks like a bruise. Mm-hmm. And it's just it, it's just different. It just it just kind of bruises the turf a little bit. It doesn't leave a, a much of a crater or anything. It, it, I mean, it does get ball marks and, and people need to fix their ball marks just <laughs> like vent and they don't. But but it just the, the surface just doesn't suffer as much as bent grass seem to. Right. And, and, and that's and that's certainly been a been a positive uh for having that gra- having this grass is there anything i guess unexpected you know i'm sure you had a set of assumptions making the switch of hey zoysia grass management is going to be like this um but is there anything unexpected that you've come across since since you grew it in six years ago it's um, hey, a little, little different than what i thought it was going to be no i I'm, I'm not sure i mean i talked to as many people as i could of you know what to expect and most of the guys I talked to just were really positive about it. Just, just how much, you know, boy, I wish I'd have done this a long time ago. Just, just like any, probably any guy that's put and had success with an Altradorf Bermuda, you know, getting away from, from, from bent. Most of those guys have just been like, you're, you're going to, you're going to love it. And, and, and I don't want to, I don't want to fool anybody either. There's two things I tell everybody about diamond zoysia. Number one, I can't say that it's easier than bent or Bermuda. It, it's got its challenges. If, if you're maintaining a green, I don't care what grass you have on it. It is a challenge and there's nothing easy about managing um, putting greens, regardless of the grass. It's the, it's the ultimate in turf grass management. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it it's got its pluses and minuses. I think it's it, for us it had more pluses, and that's why we switched to it. And the other thing with with diamond, you know, there there's probably never going to be a U.S. Open played on diamond zoysia. You know, because you you struggle to get 
the the high speeds out of it. But if you're a golf course that 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 doesn't need to get, you know, what I I guess I'd refer excessive speeds or really fast, and you need grass on your greens, you're running a lot of play, you've got shade. I think I think Diamond could could do a good job for you. But what I'm excited about is the breeding programs with the ultra fine zoysias that I'm hearing about. Mm-hmm. And I, what I want to see is, is diamond be the tiff dwarf of zoysias. Mm-hmm. We've, we've proven you can have a pretty good putting green with zoysia grass. Mm-hmm. Now let's find some that are a finer texture, even than, than diamond, much like the ultra dwarf word, a tiff dwarf. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's develop that and get speeds where we can reach, you know, 11 or so, 11 to 12 during the growing season. And I think then we've really got something. Mm-hmm. And Texas A&M, Florida, other schools are, have got some pretty active breeding programs and on these ultra-fine zoysias. And I think, I, I think that's going to might be a game changer if they can get one that, that does that. Um, Would you say that? In terms of you know shade tolerance being a big, a uh, big requirement for your decision to going over to diamonds or grass on those problem greens twelve, three four, have has it lived up to the expectation? Oh yeah, yeah, um, I, I'd say definitely. Um, twelve to describe it for folks is a par three that just sits down in a hole, and That's just a- gets no air movement and very little sun in the winter months. It, it's just almost shade all day long. A little bit of filtered sun once the leaves get off the trees, but it's it's the closest thing to growing grass in the dark that I can that I can equate it to. We've got we've got a spot at the front of it that 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 thins out a little bit, but it's it's more of a water control issue where we've got water running onto the green that we really need to shape and address than than shade at the very back of the green that's the most shady. Um, we, we can get a little bit of thinning and might have to put in a plug or two, but, but that green is done, done really well. And it's, it's a short par three. So, you know, the, the, the ball marking, I mean, it, it gets beat up and, uh, you know, it's not, it's not bad by any stretch of the imagination, three and four, kind of the same thing. Um, the kind of shade that they get through the winter months and all, I just, I, I couldn't imagine Bermuda grass coming through it. And, you know, our, our, our friend, Burt McCarty, um, I had him come in, uh, had Dr. McCarty come in when we were talking about doing this, to s- try and sell some, uh, some, some skeptical members on it. And I remember them asking Bert, uh, Dr. McCarty, why don't you like the ultra dwarf Bermuda grasses? He said, I love them. He said, I recommend them all the time, but if you put it down on number 12, be prepared to resod that green every year. Yep. And I'll never forget that. And there weren't a lot of questions after that. <laughs> You'd have to cut down a whole hillside of trees to get light on that green at the uh, in the middle yeah. of winter. Yeah, you it'd be a logging operation. <laughs> how how many hours of sun are is that green getting it, uh, of unfiltered sun or you know what would you say there? In in December, January, hardly any. Wow. I mean, there's a little filtered sun like I say once the the leaves are off the trees. There's some, you know, a little bit of getting around trunks and stuff. We've, we tried to go up above 
the core line where we can cut trees and and try and open some corridors where there's a little bit of sun peeking through but but not much and wow. i was at i remember looking at it yesterday and remarking it at 10 o'clock and we're what we're 30 days from the longest day of the year right yep yep okay at 10 o'clock the back half of the green was still in full shade wow Jeez. and sunrise right now is right at six o'clock so not a good environment for it, it's for just not grass. a good environment no but but it it has done well i think and you know as far as the the other end of it is what what kind of keeps me up at night you know with the warm season grass is the winter months you know is it gonna is, it's gonna green back up in the spring you know and <laughs> We do have covers. We did not cover this past winter. We just didn't get that cold. It seemed like it was a cold winter. We didn't have the warm spells, but we didn't have the real severe weather. And from what I've gathered, you can probably go a few degrees lower than, than Bermuda for covering. But uh, what might what might your temperature be then, your threshold? You know, probably around 22, 23, but of course that that depends on what's the high going to be tomorrow and you know all those all those kinds of things has it been kind of warm and it's just going to dip down and come back up well we're probably okay but if it's going to be you know really cold it's going to go to 22 and then get up to 39 and back to 22 or something like that we're we're probably going to going to cover it's it's neat one of the things too about it is it it keeps its green color longer into the fall which you'd expect mm-hmm. out of azoysia and and it's fully green, you know, much earlier than than the Bermuda grass. And two years ago, I was like, "Is it green or is that?" Am I looking at paint? And because we we do paint them in the winter months, we didn't this past winter. We just never did. They they kind of kept some color, but uh, it it really greens up early, yeah. which is which is nice. I didn't know if you had fans for to keep air, to have air movement when you had bent grass there. We did, we did. Do you use the fans for the zoysia grass? Nope. They're all gone. They're all gone. All gone. You yeah. can't be too I upset about we, that. We might have one. What's that? I said you can't be too upset about not having to mess with the fans anymore. We turned the fans off and saved $12,000 a year in electricity costs. I mean, that, that's something the hidden cost of things. Yeah, I guess you don't appreciate. Reduce fungicide costs, reduce electricity costs. Is there anything that increased in cost? relative to maintenance when you put the zoysia grass in i you know that's a good question jeff boy our, our hand watering i mean we don't we do hardly any hand watering in the summer as you would expect i mean the covers we built into the cost of converting but the little bit of time that it takes us to cover th- that labor savings versus not having people out wilt watching all summer long i mean we we save there on on labor um, what about your mowers or grinding or sharpening and stuff like that? Has that maybe increased a little bit? Yeah, that that's increased a little bit because we are, you know, actively top dressing through the summer months. We're on, on bent. You wouldn't do that as much. Um, what, you know, one thing again, that that's been great for us is we're pretty much getting by with one core airification. We're on bent. It was spring and fall and, and, you know, fall, we're trying to core airify in, in September, which in Clemson is just so busy between the football weekends and students here and everything else. Now we're doing it the end of June and 
you know, we're, we're still busy, but not like, not like the spring and the fall. So that, that lines up better, uh, for us from that, but we, we are probably grinding more bed knives and, and that, that certainly has, has increased some, you know, fertility fungicide. Most of that is, is less, I would think maybe a little bit more in sand costs, but mm -hmm. there again, we're not dumping sand on, but for one airification, then the two where we're, where we're filling holes. So I don't, I don't think, I don't think sand is, has changed a lot. Is the week, is it weekly top dressing of sand, like a little dusting of sand or is it bi-weekly or it's what's bi-weekly? We, we found about every 14 days okay. works pretty well for us. We, we might could go to, to bi-weekly and, 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 and maybe cut down our rate a little bit just get into the, the timing and being able to do it and then more grinding of reels each week. So we, we've kind of settled on about every 14 days through the summer. With how tight the canopy is, is any trouble getting sand through the canopy after a top dressing? Not really. Not really. It, it works in, it works in pretty well. We top dressed this, uh, this past Monday and I didn't go heavy. It was the first one. And I went, went pretty light, about, about as light as we'll go. And I mean, it's just, you spread it and it's a it's a white sheen across it, but one time over with the cocoa mat and it disappears and then you water it that night and you're kinda like, Where where did the sand go? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Uh, you know, we're using one of the finer sands. We're using a, a a sixty-five sand, which some would say is a little too fine, but we'll see. When you aerify, do you use a coarser sand? We do. We we usually uh, use a forty-five sand uh trying to fill the holes with just one corification we want to try and make it count i've i've done half inch tines i've done five eighths inch tines it takes it takes pretty much a full 28 days to to recover and do you uh, get a nice core when you pull cores is it is it a nice uh yeah yep, yep. you know it, maybe not the real long one that you might get out of a bent or something um and our roots are good. I mean, our, our, our roots are good. We use the, the earth mat product on a, on a uh, monthly basis. And I, I like the look of our roots. I mean, I'm not saying they're eight inches deep, but we've got a nice root mass down about four inches. I wish That's I'd good. had that on my bent. Um, <laughs> but you wouldn't have that on your ultra dwarf uh, in the shade. That's for sure. I wouldn't think so. <laughs> I wouldn't think so. But you know, you get a you get a pretty nice core. And I've, I've really wanted to, play around with being more aggressive but you can't be more aggressive with a bigger hole because it's just mm -hmm. not going to cover so i thought about airifying just doing a traditional core airifying and get all that cleaned up and and everything and then come back over the top of it with maybe like a dry jacked or maybe a quad tine and not worrying about going so deep but just pulling more thatch out that would you know those holes would just almost close up on their own but we're we are getting some some thatch out, and I'm going to try that. I'm going to try and play around with that a little bit this summer because um, I think we need to be removing more material than what we can. Um, I've even thought going to like a magnum quad tine to where you go with a you know a three eighths or a half inch uh, quad tine, so you got more a little bit smaller hole but a bigger or a bit, but more holes, a little bit smaller hole, more holes and, and see if we could get more out that way, but so that they would still recover a little bit quicker. But 
I, I haven't quite fine tuned that yet. Is needle tining a practice that one would do during the season, if it, you will? It, it is. We we did it this spring back in about the first of April, and we'll do it in September. And I've I've played around, and I, I really like to to do like a, a quad tine or these these new ninja tines in in August. But we we airify right at the very end of June. So it's about the end of July, you go 28 days. It's right at the end of July for your mm-hmm. really fully covered. I mean, they're putting good before then, but to really have the holes knitted over and everything, it's 28 days. I tell everybody it's 28 days. Mm-hmm. Well, then you're turning around two or three weeks later and, and poking another hole. We just kind of got to be be yep. careful with that. But uh, but that that's one thing I, I don't know that I've gotten dialed into what I'd say is that's the perfect way to do it. I'm not there with with that yet on verification. Yeah, it sounds like finding the balance between getting enough organic matter, but also not disrupting play more than what's reasonable. That's a tough balance to find with soya grass. Yeah, it's any grass. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Golfers hey, don't like poking holes. Back to the question. Back to the light. Just had one more follow up on there. So let's take twelve green for an example, and six green for an example. That's wide open in the in the sunlight all day. Do you notice much of a difference in playability, ball roll, um, thatch accumulation, et cetera, between those two different environments? Haven't haven't noticed a lot, Jeff. You know, c- coming out of the winter, there's definitely more grass on a number six or a number eight. You know, the wide open sun holes than a 12 or a three but but it catches up throughout the summer um one thing about zoysia it doesn't do anything real fast <laughs> i mean it you you'll look at a spot and it's thinned a little bit or whatever you might have lightly scalped and it, it's just like is that ever going to heal is that ever going to heal should i just have them go plug it and then all of a sudden you kind of turn around it's like well that that finally grew in but it it you know it doesn't recover real fast, but you give it a little bit of time and it'll it'll get right where you want it. But even though it might be a little thinner, I haven't seen any you know ball roll performance differences. It's just like maybe the canopy's just a little bit thinner, and that might be a good thing with as dense as this stuff is. Sure, it seems like it's a pretty flexible grass, and if you're able to survive relatively similar perform relatively similar between that extreme of growing environments, extreme differences. Yeah. That's not something you can do with the Bermuda grasses. Yeah. How about, how about as far as fertility goes? Uh, not as much, you know, total fertility inputs, you know, what, what are you looking mm-hmm. at here to versus what you might've done with Bermuda grass or, you know, what you did with bent grasses. What, what have you found? Is there a nitrogen number across a year that you say, hey, that's a pretty good target for us to hit each year, or are you just kind of going more feed the grass as it looks lean, feed the grass as it needs it? Yeah, we, we it's been coming down for us. I probably started out around around uh, three and a half, three and three quarters total in over the growing mm-hmm. season, and we're probably down a full pound below that, two and a half, two and three quarters. Um you know, kind of like I said, the only granular goes out at, at aerification, only granular nitrogen. I mean, we're still supplementing, you know, gypsum apps and sulfur mag and, and that sort of thing. But that's the only granular nitrogen it gets is at aerification. And the rest of it is we're spraying it. But 
one thing we we learned is okay when we were doing primo you know pretty regularly and on a you know we're, we're normally spraying nutrients about every 10 to 14 days well then we get in that get recovered from airification get into july and august and we're wanting to do more primo and more frequent so we started doing the primo with our you know our liquid iron or 1200 with iron product and i realized well we're putting a little bit of nitrogen out there every seven to ten days instead of mm-hmm. you know maybe every 14 days so we've kind of switched gears there doing some just maybe iron only applications with the primo to watch because i mean you know a, a tenth here and a tenth there you know a little more frequently will up that up that nitrogen rate more than right. what we wanted it so you know we, we've kind of we've kind of figured that out and and just watch that but it's it's just it's spoon feeding and then not even not overdoing it with spoon feeding i guess the last last real question i have as far as when you went to, uh, during establishment did you strip off the top four inches top two inches of soil before you before you laid the sod or h- how is the conversion process from bent grass to zoysia grass we stripped off just a hair under an inch with the coro machine it'll strip it mm-hmm. and all and then because over the years the the collars i mean we didn't just have collar dams at the low spot we had pretty much a collar dam all the way around the greens we stripped that which which that's what the the installer says to strip seven eighths and then this this turf comes in at about seven eighths the sod uh-huh. so we added about three quarters of an inch of sand on top of that and then tilled it so not only did it help raise it up to the collar level but that sand then was able to dilute maybe those next two to three inches of higher organic material mm-hmm. and we tilled that real thoroughly now i realize that's maybe not ideal probably would have been better to get it out of there but um but we you know our our solution to the organic matter was to dilute it with adding that sand and then just really trying to till it thoroughly about six inches deep to have at least a you know about a six inch homogenous layer right. at the surface and again it's not it's it was not ideal i mean that's why we do off-site blending now and but uh, that that's kind of what we had we had an eight-week time period to do it and turn it around and uh so we were we were kind of under the gun with that how long how long was it from the time you laid the last piece of sod to the time you had golfers on it four weeks and I've, so, I've heard them say, you know, you can put on it the next day. Some courses do. They put it in and put on it the next day. You can. I mean, now I'm not I'm not saying it's, you know, Augusta National Greens or anything, but, <laughs> but you can. I mean, that sod comes in. It, it's the best sod I've ever, ever seen. And it just lays so nicely that you can't. I mean, you can put on it. And we put heavy rollers on it, you know, a big three-ton roller. And it, and it takes – it takes it like it's nothing, but we had, we had four weeks to do it. I think if you had more time and and I've talked to other guys that have installed it, they would say, I would, as soon as it tacks down, I would airify it. Mm. I would airify it and try to get some holes poked through that sod layer. And, and I, I'd, I'd agree with that. I mean, if you can, it would, it would be a good, good thing to do. I think you'd, you'd be a little more pleased. 
And actually, um, Josh Sawyer up here at Kiwi Key, uh, I think he was able to to do some of that before he opened his green. Which, so, which which grass wins the battle around the edges? Because you've got zoysia budding up to Bermuda grass, right? Mm-hmm. Is there a battle that occurs on those edges? It's it's a it's a Mexican standoff. <laughs> I'm okay. telling you, the diamond just just holds it. And, and I think this is my theory. I think because we are mowing the diamond so low in the summertime versus bent, or maybe we're going up a little bit, that diamond's being mowed so low, it just discourages the Bermuda. I don't think we've had much encroachment at all. Good. Maybe I'm wrong, but you don't see those you know, those veins of runners going out into the diamond like you would in, in bent grass. I mean, what about it, the other way? No, no diamond going out into the Bermuda grass collars either. No, no, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think we've, we've seen any of that now, now on some teas we've got where, where we've got some zoysias on shady teas, it's yeah. going right off the tea top and just taking over the, the Bermuda in some shady areas around teas. But I think on the greens we're we're pretty much at a at a standoff. Good. I mean, you'll you'll see a sprig coming in here and there and all. And um, I popped one out the other day, but uh, I, I I don't know. That's my theory is is the low mowing you're able to do in the summer when it's actively trying to come in. Well, Raymond, anything else on your end? No, that, that sounds great. I want to get zoysia from my shaded backyard now. I mean, this is to me a perfect fit. I tell you that, you know, that not just the diamond, but some of the other zoysias that, you know, we, we, we're doing a lot with palisades on some teas here and there. And it's just, it's, it's really, really done well. I mean, it's, it's still a warm season grass. It's still got its limitations and, and what have you, but boy, uh, we, we've had some good success with, with zoysias on some teas and we've, we've had good success on our greens. It's, it's been successful. I don't think, uh, any anybody regrets it so i guess that's the big question would you make the same decision today regarding the bent grass conversion to zoysia grass yes i i, I think we would i think we would and you know our, our golf professional was was behind it as well he he took groups of members to different clubs that had it to see it and uh and and he was he was forward as well which was which was very important obviously so yeah no i i think we would i I'll have I'll have the occasional member come up and say, "Boy, that was a that was a good decision we made going to going to Diamond, wasn't it?" I'll say, "Yep, yep. <laughs> it, awesome. it is. It is." All right. Well, hey, we appreciate your time, Don. Appreciate the insight. Appreciate the information. It's always uh, it's fun to talk to you and yeah. reminisce about the old course, but also hear about what's going on since. We're staying busy. That wraps up our interview with Don Garrett of the Walker Course. Turf dudes exist to communicate important research findings and turf management trends to turfgrass managers as part of Harold's effort to grow a better world. If you enjoy the show, we want your feedback. If you have a topic you'd like for us to address or a person you'd like to hear from, please send it to us at turfdudes at heralds.com. That's T-U-R-P-H-D-U-D-E-S at heralds.com. While you're at it, please subscribe to our show on iTunes, YouTube Music, or SoundCloud. We'll see you next time.